Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning, Movement Church. Come on, let's try that again. Good morning, Movement Church. Man, it's so good to see your faces. Most of you look much better than you did last week, and so it's always great to have you here. And you chose a good Sunday to be a part. We're in the middle of a series called Assumptions. Everybody say Assumptions. And uh, I, I couldn't really honestly be more excited about it because we've really focused in on making this a series that's as practical as possible. We, we know that, listen, Sundays can be exciting and encouraging and motivational. And then all of a sudden you go home, you go to bed, you wake up. And I don't know about for you, but for me, every week Monday shows up. Anybody? Anyone else? And then after Monday is Tuesday and then Wednesday. And it's just kind of like crazy. We actually need some tools, something in our belt to help us navigate through the challenges that we're walking through on a daily basis. And that's what this series is about, being practical. But before I dive into this series, before we unpack the full of what, what I think God wants to do in each of our lives. I just want to challenge some of you in the room who've not been to our Next Step course yet. We do this every Sunday, not because we just wanted to throw another thing on the docket, but because we actually want to see God unpack and unfold His plan for your life. And I want to tell you, if you've never been, we do two different options. We have my life and my future. Today is my life, and I'm teaching, and I'd love for you to join me right after this service. And a couple of things are going to happen. One, we're going to tell you our story, how we got here. And you need to know that, especially if you're thinking about making the Movement Church your home. We're also going to unpack what we believe. If you want to call this church your home, it would help for you to know what it is. We could be crazy, and you have no clue. But man, I'd also just like to help get to know you a little bit better. So join me right after. It's about 45 minutes, maybe less. Child care is taken care of. In fact, I'm teaching it will be less. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Child care is taken care of. We've got some light refreshments for you. But if you've not been, make that happen today. Come and check it out. We have it every Sunday after second service. So maybe you've been to my future and you haven't been to my life. This is the one you want to be a part of today. Does that sound good? Can we dive into the message? Is that cool? You don't have an option. I'm preaching. It's amazing. This is a series about relationships, any relationship, whether it's a husband or a wife or best friend or coworker, neighbor, uh, whatever it is, employee, employer. And, and the reason we called it assumptions is because usually for you and for me, our, our first response to almost anything, good, bad, or indifferent, is to assume or draw a conclusion as to the why or the what. Like we think we know why it is you're doing what you're doing or saying what you're saying or not doing what you're supposed to be doing. In fact, we, the definition we're using for this series, Assumptions, is a thing that is accepted as true or as certain to happen without proof. And we do this in every relationship that we're in. All of us do. It's the assumption that I know what you're thinking, it's the assumption that I know why you said that or why you didn't text me back, why you didn't show up when you were supposed to show up or why you, you were kind of awkward in that environment. We just think we have this all figured out. And the scripture we're using as our theme verse is found in Proverbs chapter 11. We're reading from the Passion Paraphrase and I love how it says this. Look at this. It says, when you act with presumption, convinced that you're right, don't be surprised if you fall flat on your face. But look at the, the answer to this. But 
Walking in humility helps you to make the wise decisions. You know what humility is? Humility is the idea or the notion that I don't have this whole thing figured out, that I really could use a little bit of help. I need a little bit of insight because I just don't know everything here. So I want to challenge you, don't miss a Sunday. And if you do, don't miss a podcast because we're taking this multifaceted approach to this idea of relationships, not a linear approach. So it we're hitting a lot of different angles, but here's why I don't want you to miss a Sunday or a podcast is, man, I don't want to give darkness room to move in the assumptions. The enemy is really good at using ambiguity and assumption and manipulating it for his purpose in our relationships. I don't want that for you. In week one, we, we talked about how, how assumptions take place. We talked about how we see or we hear or we experience something and then, this is where we get into trouble, we tell ourselves a story. Then based on the story that we tell ourselves, we feel something, and then we react or respond based upon our feelings. So in week one, we unpacked how to really kind of reshape the story that you tell yourself. In week two, we unpacked the genesis of assumptions. I don't know if you remember if you were here, but we talked about our wiring, the three things that kind of contribute to the, gen the, the, the why, why we land on assumption. We talked about our wiring, our personality, then our worldview, whether or not our worldview is centered on who Christ is, but we really focused in on our wounds. And my hope and my prayer is that the last week and hopefully further on, you, you, ex you really explore how our wounds have a profound impact on the assumptions to, we make. But today, here's my hope. A big picture kind of idea is I want us to identify patterns of assumptions in the people we're surrounded by. And that sounds like a contradiction of terms, right? Like to assume that we know and the assumptions that other people are making. But here's what I'm asking. I, I, don't, I don't want you to try to figure out how to change people. But if we can identify the patterns of assumption in the people that we do life with, we actually then have ownership. We have ownership to change the way that we interact with them. That's the hope. That you and I recognize unhealthy patterns of responses and then take step towards change. Towards change. Now, some of you may have already arrived at this place in your life, but for me, this was a very recent development. Just a couple weeks ago, it dawned on me that if I lived to the same age that my father was when he passed away, so in other words, if I have this great life and I die around the same time frame that my dad died, this was a realization, I have more years behind me than I do in front of me. It was mind blowing. Some of you are like, oh, I've been there. My wife's like, I've been there for 10 years, okay? No, I'm kidding. It was mind blowing for me. And so this, this thought followed that. I realized I actually have to start changing the things that need to be changed. And I don't know where you're at and what season of life you're. Maybe you have many more years ahead of you than you do behind you. But regardless, we want to change. The things that are inside of us and the way that we operate that is unhealthy. Guys, we don't have to stay that way. But the ownership is on us. And so my hope is that today we can recognize patterns of responses and then we start to take steps towards change. Today I'm going to be pulling from some of my favorite authors, Patterson and Lencioni, and then there's just one author that I, I think is probably one of the best authors on the planet. His name is Jesus. 
And uh, he wrote this pretty awesome book that I think you and I can pull, we can extrapolate some pretty profound things. So I want to pray for us today. But here's what I'm going to pray for you. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Whew, got that in there real quick. I want to pray that we'll open our hearts like the song says and kind of let God do what he wants to do in our lives. Can we do that? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're here in this place, that you're already doing something in our midst right here in this moment. And God, we just want to lean into the fullness of what you have for us. We don't want to have, take, we don't want to take for granted this time. And we don't want to try to change anyone else, but we just want to become the people, the man or the woman that you have called us to become. So we thank you for what you're doing right here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, well, listen. I'm going to kind of dive into some real practicals today, and I want to just start right off the bat with some of the ways that you and I tend to respond. Now, all of us in this room, we fit into this category, maybe not all the time, maybe not in every scenario, but all of us in this room, we lean towards one of two directions. When we see or hear or experience something negatively, usually we're going to respond in one of two ways, and that's either silence or violence. Now, for today's sake, I'm not talking about, even though I know that there's very real instances where some people respond with physical violence, that's not the nature of what I'm talking about today. But in, in we, when we're in interactions or in exchanges or experiences with people and something negative emerges, challenge emerges, conflict emerges, strife emerges, usually all of us in this room, we sway in one of two directions, silence or violence, the idea of silence is any act to purposefully withhold relevant information from, or from people that are here. Like, I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to say the fullness of what I want to say. I might play some verbal games or, or even avoid people entirely because I don't really want to give you everything that I'm thinking in this moment. And that can take on many forms. One of those forms can be masking, where I, I understate my opinion. Like, it's no big deal. Maybe somebody's offensive to you or at, the, at the job site or wherever it is you work. Somebody says something or does something, and it made you angry. But it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. But inside, you want to punch them in the throat. You know, that kind of stuff, where you, you understate your opinion or maybe even use sarcasm to mask how it is that you really feel, the silent side of things. Another one would be to avoid, like literally just steering in a completely different direction. Like I, I'm gonna avoid the conversation or the topic. I, I wanna avoid it like the plague. I don't wanna actually get there. And the moment I feel a conversation might be going that direction, I'm gonna steer it in another direction because I just don't know if I'm ready to talk through that. A another way that we lean towards silence would just be withdrawing completely. Like just pulling out of a conversation. Hey, I gotta run to the restroom or just completely pulling out of a conversation. The other side of this would be violence. Again, I'm not talking about a physical response. I'm talking about just the way that we tend to interact with people. And violence would be this verbal strategy to convince or control or compel you towards my point of view. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you there. And that can take on many facets. One of those can be controlling where I'm coercing people towards my point of view. Another way that can take shape is by overstating my opinion. I'm just cutting you off. I'm gonna interrupt you in the middle of you talking and not give you a chance to get a word in edgewise. Or then I'll use directive questions. Like I'll give you a pointed question that your answer has to su support my opinion. So I'm controlling the conversation. 
People who lean towards the, the violent side it would, would lean towards labeling. Like, I'm gonna use it. You're just like your mother. You always say things like that. It's like you don't even care. And then what I'm doing is I'm actually dismissing your point of view and making it a personal issue. Another thing that you might do if you lean towards the violent side of things would be attacking where I'm just gonna belittle you or even use threats. Like if you keep this up, I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You're so stupid in the way that you respond to things. So you, all of us in this room, we lean in one of these two directions. I'm not saying all the time, I'm just saying you have a tendency or an inclination to lean this way. It was a, a few years ago, I, I'll never forget, Megan and I were on a date and she kind of made this sarcastic comment. We were seeing something take place and she made this sarcastic comment. That's just like how you treat our kids. And there was something behind the sarcastic comment. She was using sarcasm, leaning towards silence to prove a point to me. And I, I leaned towards the violent side, the aggressive, the, why are you chuckling right now? <laughs> I was blinded by anger and frustration. And, and I was like, oh, you think this passive aggressive approach is gonna work with me? You think this is gonna, is this, you, you feel like this is a helpful way to talk about how we're raising our kids. And so then what happens is I attacked, I labeled her, and I, we launched into a two hour argument about semantics. I don't even remember what we were arguing about. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We were arguing about arguing and it wasn't even the issue. And then I'm labeling her, I'm attacking her and I'm, I'm getting frustrated with her and I'm calling her just like her mom. And I'm like, I'm not like your dad and da 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 da. And then all of a sudden, this two hour argument, it, it crescendos and I look over and I see my wife and tears are pouring down her cheek. She's getting quieter and quieter and I'm getting louder and louder. And it just dawned on me, this is not a healthy place to be. I knew instantly that my plans for that evening weren't gonna go the way I'd hoped they had gone. <laughs> Y'all responded much quicker than first service to that one. And you know, it took us three days to get back to a healthy place. I just wanted to pull back the curtains on on our relationship so that maybe in whatever relationship or nuance you're in, you can identify some of the same patterns. Because all of us in this room, we tend to lean towards one of these two directions. And, and if you lean that way, whether it's silence or violence, the people in your world do as well. So what are we supposed to do about it? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because <laughs> that's what I want to talk about today specifically. I want to give you three things. Three ideas. I want, I want to encourage you to text notes to the number on the screen. I want to give you three things that will help all of us kind of change or lend towards change of the unhealthy responses in our life. Are you tracking me? Three things that will help us kind of shift the way that we respond in unhealthy manners. Are you ready? Take notes. I'm telling you to be worth it. I hope so. Number one, we'll just start right off the top. Don't avoid the issue. We can't, just because your relationships, whether it's coworkers or to a boss or to an employee or to a neighbor or, or a spouse or a boyfriend, just because in previous experiences it's been bad, it's been awful, we can't avoid the issue. If it's a real issue that needs to be dealt with, we can't avoid it. And I want to encourage you, what one author says is to refuse the fool's choice. 
that you have to choose between either peace or honesty. That you have to choose between either truth or friendship. We don't have to choose between one or the other. We can have both. But we might have to first remove the desire to win in an argument. Or in conversation or interaction. This isn't about competition and it's not about just blatantly blind submission. That's not what the desire is. In fact, listen, we don't have to prove our point or just roll over. There's a middle ground. There's a middle ground. Because here's what I do know is true. In that moment, I realized I may have won this argument, but I'm losing the war. There's no way that my wife could possibly honor or respect me as a human, let alone a husband and a leader in our family, if I'm treating her in a way that she doesn't feel safe. And here's what I love, and I want to kind of point this out through our message today, is we're going to find these same nuances in how Jesus relates to you and to me. We saw the same battle, the same dichotomy happening with him at the Mount of Olives, just hours before he was to die on the cross. And Jesus came here to seek and to save the lost. He had one goal. It wasn't to heal the sick, have great hair, or just preach great messages. He knew from the moment he got here, he was headed towards the cross to pay for the sin of all humanity. But there's a moment where we see the humanity of Jesus at the Mount of Olives where he got on his knees and he said, Hey, God, if there's any way that we can do this differently, I mean, I'm willing. I I, want to help humanity, but can we do it by avoiding the humiliation and pain of the cross? But he followed that very statement with a more profoundly powerful one, he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was recognizing there's something that I want, but there's a greater thing at stake. There's something that I desire, but God's plan is bigger. And I think we've got to land on that in our own relationships. I don't know about you, but for me, five times in every car trip, whether it's locally or we're going out of town, five times Megan will push the invisible brake pedal on her side of the car. Do y'all ever have that happen? And I know it takes place because her shoulder's raised and she's like pushing the brake pedal. I drive like I live life, fast and hard, right? Anybody else out there? Yes, the, the left lane is for people who know how to drive. All the other lanes are for all you people, okay? And so listen, there's five or six times in every, we could be going to Ralph's and she'll hit that brake and she's scooting up in her seat. I don't know why, she obviously has no idea what the deal is, but she also does this other thing. Maybe you've seen this and apparently this has solved all of man's problems when it comes to car accidents and has prohibited all accidents. She grabs the handle and squeezes it tightly on the side. Anybody else see that happen? I'm like, does that actually work? And then I say, have we ever been in a car accident together? No. Now I've been in plenty of car accidents, but never with her. That's a pointed question. Are you tracking me today? (laughs) And so she's pushing this imaginary invisible brake pedal because she doesn't want to tell me, watch out for that car. Don't do this because she knows if she does, I'll say, don't talk to me while I'm driving. (laughs) And I think a lot of us are pushing an imaginary brake pedal in our relationships and we're avoiding things that need to be taken care of. And here's the truth. There are so many things that I need to be a better human and a better Christ follower. And God put Megan in my life to help me see that. God put Megan in my life to help me see the blind spots in my life. I only have a couple, so it's a very easy job for her. (laughs) But God also put me in Megan's life. 
because she has a ton of blind spots. You guys can relate. So stop pushing the imaginary brake pedal. Don't avoid the issue. Well, I never avoid conflict. I run at it head on. Yeah. I don't know why you talk like that, but maybe you do. Or maybe you don't avoid conflict, but perhaps you're avoiding listening and learning. Are you tracking with me today? So don't avoid the issue. Three things. Three things to adjust and change and bring healthy responses in our interactions. Number one, don't avoid the issue. Number two, step out. Everybody say step out. Step out. We have to train ourselves to step out of challenges and do what I love. One author calls it dual processing. Now, now listen, I'm not talking about checking out. I'm talking about stepping out. We have to dual process and evaluate how am I communicating and how are they behaving? I got to be able to, in a conversation, step out, not check out, not disengage like some of you right now are checking your fantasy scores instead of actually taking notes in the version. I see you. But actually step out and go, wait a minute, am I actually creating an environment where people want to have a conversation? And listen, you do this all the time. Ladies, you, you make grocery lists while your husband's telling you about something that happened at work and you're thinking about your calendar for the rest of the week. So don't tell me you can't dual process. Dudes, you can dual process. You are thinking about your fantasy football team right now and you're checking the ticker for your team who's currently playing and you're thinking about game one of the World Series because the Dodgers are there. Oh, there's one of us. Are you tracking with me? We can do this. But let me just tell you real quickly, one thing that will help you is to check yourself before you wreck yourself. To check your motive. What's your motive? What's your intention? What's the, what's the intention of your heart? Is your motive to do what's best for yourself or what's best for everyone involved? I think a question worth asking is, am I listening to hear what matters most to them. I think another question that's worth exploring for yourself, not for your spouse, not for your best friend, but has pride shifted the narrative of the story that I tell myself? Is pride at work? Because listen, if we're selfishly motivated, then you lose the war regardless of what happens in the moment. Even with people that you don't really like. You might win that battle. You might win the war, but if you're selfishly motivated, you lose. Because you establish patterns that being selfishly motivated and driven is acceptable for behavior and relationships. Nowhere do we see that as acceptable anywhere in the scripture. The other thing that we have to do is watch for signs of assumption. I'm not asking you to decide what people are thinking, but watch for signs where patterns where people might be led to silence or violence. It's that moment when it shifts. The tension becomes palpable and we realize we were just hanging out talking, but now we actually need to pause and talk through something. Something shifted. It could be a physical expression. It could be the body language. It could be your internal emotions, and you can feel that. For me, when conflict happens, I love conflict. Does anybody else in here love conflict, three of us? Okay, great. I got no beef with it. Like if there's, I don't, in fact, I don't even mind starting an argument about something I don't believe in. I just wanna win, because all I do is win, 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 no matter, okay, we'll move on. Are you tracking with me? But then what happens is I, we can create an environment where there's no safety and people become fearful. 
Now, there are environments where some people might fear for their life, but I'm not talking about the fear like I can run and hide, but fear that triggers fight or flight on the inside. Silence or violence. When it's safe, you can say anything. When it's safe, you can say anything. Have you ever had somebody in your life that tells you something challenging about your character or your behavior and they care greatly about you and you let the conversation thinking, man, I'm so glad we talked about that. They said something that was somewhat painful for you, but instead of feeling this sense of frustration and anger, you were grateful because you knew that internally, you knew that they loved and cared about you. Why? Because dialogue and fear, they're anatomically opposed. So if we're in conversation, then you feel like you're in a safe environment. But if you feel fear, it doesn't matter anything that I'm saying to you. You're thinking, I either want to get out of this conversation or I want to prove that sucker wrong. <laughs> Thank you for that laughter. So what we have to do is watch for the content and the conditions. Listen, people rarely become defensive towards you simply because of what you're saying. Rarely. But they become defensive because they no longer feel safe. In that argument with Megan, she no longer felt safe, and so we were no longer talking about the things that mattered most. We were just trying to prove the other person wrong with either silence or violence. So it's not the content of your message, but it's the condition of your conversation. It's not the content, but the condition. Are we in dialogue? Are we having a conversation about this? Are we talking through this? Are we listening to each other? When we're no longer in dialogue, when we're no longer talking through it, then listen, people don't feel safe and it's harder to get back on track. In that moment when Megan said that to me, I responded so incorrectly that I created an environment where she didn't feel safe and so now we're going back and forth and it literally did take three days to get back to a place of health. Three days until we've, we're in communion with one another. When it's unsafe, we start to go blind. We do. We, we, we lose sight of what matters. In fact, when our emotions begin to rev up, key brain functions begin to shut down. When God created you, that's not me, that's scientific. That whole fight or flight thing, when your emotions get revved up, key brain, you get tunnel vision. I'm gonna focus on one thing and, and key brain functions begin to shut down. So if we can learn to see when safety is at risk in any interaction we have, then we can actually learn how to shift the nature of our interactions. Isn't it amazing how profound this is? So we dual process. It allows me to engage my mind and step back into the conversation. It's not easy because we have a lifetime where we've trained ourselves to respond to your poor behavior with more poor behavior. No, no one ever experienced someone's aggressive and attacking and thought, oh, I'm just gonna create peace for a moment. We either wanna get aggressive or we wanna moonwalk out, right? So we have to reprogram our brain. We gotta reprogram our mind. And read silence or violence as a lack of safety. And listen, Jesus did this with us. I love how Jesus works with us. In Romans 6, 23, it says that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have sin, which is death and bondage and hopelessness. And it's in us. And yet simultaneously, 
Jesus gave us the free gift of grace. So while he sees us in our most dark state, he also sees life and freedom and purpose in us. Are you tracking with me today? Romans 5, 8 says that God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. I think we take this scripture for granted on a regular basis, especially if you're here and you're a believer or a follower of Christ. If you're here and you're not sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But I think we take this scripture for granted because we think back to a moment when we said, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'm giving you my life, Jesus. But we forget that just because we surrender our life to Jesus doesn't mean that we remove sin from our life. You still have sin in your life. So do I. If you don't, you're Jesus and none of you are Jesus. So when Jesus said, while we were yet sinners, I joyfully look to the cross. I'll crawl upon that thing and go through the greatest pain and humiliation. Why? Because you're worth it. Not just one moment in a prayer at a church, but time after time after time. It could be equated to you walking down the aisle and saying vows to someone to have and to hold till death do us part while knowing 100% with certainty that they will commit adultery time and time and time again and still choosing to say, I do. Every time that we sin, Jesus says, hey, my grace is still sufficient and my mercy is new every morning, like daily. If you're like me, it's moment by moment. He dual processes And he says, I see the issues in your life, but more importantly, I see the potential. So So how do we change the unhealthy patterns of response? Well, don't avoid the issue. Number two, step out. Number three, establish safety. Turn to somebody next to you and say, establish safety. I love how Proverbs 25, 11 says, like apples of gold, in settings of silver is a word spoken at just the right time. When it's safe, you can say anything. Because yeah. we can grow. Because you're helping me see my blind spots and vice versa. So we have to help make it safe. So here's one thing that you and I can do to help start that pattern right. Number one, apologize. Just apologize. Now listen, some of you are thinking, well, I'm not going to apologize if I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm not going to apologize for someone else's poor behavior. But to apologize doesn't mean that I'm admitting I'm wrong because there's ways to apologize that help bring safety. For instance, if you're in a conversation or interaction or in a moment where there's no safety, you can say, hey, I want to just push pause for a moment. I want to apologize because I didn't create an environment where you felt safe. And that wasn't my hope. Hey, I know that some of the things I said... I. I may have said it harshly, and I, I want to apologize for the way that I communicated to you. And it brings peace back into the environment. Let me give you another tip that I just read recently from a great book. And we can, we can, first we apologize, but then we can follow that with contrasting statements. Don'ts and do's. A contrasting statement. You, you've been in an argument that wasn't really about the argument, right? Maybe your wife came to you and says, hey, joker, we need to talk about our finances because you are an idiot. And that always goes over well. Well, here we go again. You're just like your mother and I am not your father. And then all of a sudden an argument erupts 
It doesn't have to be that way. So we use contrasting statements, don'ts and do's. You can come back in and go, hey, no, no, I'm sorry. What I'm not saying is that the financial challenges we're facing are your fault. I'm not saying that. But I am saying I want to get on the same page so you and I can start making different choices that lead to stronger financial stability. Contrasting statements, do's and don'ts. The goal isn't winning. The goal is what's best. What's best? I love how Jesus did this. Jesus made sure that he focused in on what was best. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he reminds us that the Lord isn't slow as some count it slowness, but he's patient towards us. That's Jesus' way of saying, I'm not going to force myself on you. I've got something amazing for you, but you get to choose. And when you're ready, I'm ready. I love how Ephesians 2 says, for it is by God's grace, his remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but is the undeserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep everything perfect and right, to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast. No one. Or take credit for this salvation. What did he do? He created a place of safety. He created a place of hope that you and I don't have to work for. You don't have to work for it. You can't earn it and you can't do anything to keep it. He created a place of safety. And some of you, you need to know that today. In fact, I'm going to push pause on our sermon for a few moments and hang right here. Because some of you need to be reminded of this. I want to help remove the pattern of assumption about who Jesus is. He never tries to force himself on us. He doesn't even come in and say, you need to get perfect before we can hang out. He just says, no, I love you exactly as you are. And not only that, but I want a relationship with you. I want to hang out with you. But there's a starting point. There's a starting, it's not through osmosis. Good vibes or good feeling, it's not through eradicating your past. It's not about church membership. There's a starting point where I just say, okay, God, I'm going to stop trying on my own and I'm going to surrender my life to you. And I'm going to pause for our sermon today and take a moment to talk to some of you who are in this room who need to start that journey with Jesus today. You don't have to get things perfect. You can't earn his love. It's a free gift. And you can't do anything to keep it. But there's a moment where I say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. Some of you in this room have never made that decision. In a moment, with no embarrassment to you, I'm going to give you a chance to do just that. And listen, look at me in the eyes for a minute. Some of you in this room have been playing with your faith. You've been running from God, and today's the day to come running back. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving around. If you're here and you've never made this decision or today is the day to make this decision again for the first time in a long time, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me right now. In the quietness of your own heart or maybe in a small whisper, just say, Dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me. That you've given me purpose, but God, I'm not 
perfect and I need you. I'm tired of trying to do this thing on my own. Now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Would you let me in on the journey? It's the reason I exist as a pastor. It's why we exist as a church. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer, at the moment I say three, would you just put your hand up and put it right back down again? Are you ready? One, two, three. Lift your hands. Awesome. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Wow, 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 wow. God, we thank you that you're doing something right here, right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to close with one last thought. If you prayed that prayer, maybe you raised your hand or you didn't, we'll give you some steps to take in a moment, but I want to close with one last thought. I wanted to shift the message today. I really did feel like some people just need to be reminded of God's love and his desire to be in a relationship with you. But I also want to close with this one thought that I think that some of us might actually need to take this step today. We, we live in a, in a culture and a world that if we don't like something, we're done with it. We go to a restaurant, we have a bad experience, we either pay and walk out or we definitely leave and we yelp about it. L. We go to church and I don't like the music or the pastor is not funny enough or deep enough or whatever enough. I'm out. Job, man, I'm out. I'm not going to stick around. This was too hard. I'm out of here. We hit these places where, where relationship becomes so challenging and, and we think, this, ah, I'm just done. I'm just going to give up, throw in the towel. And I'm so terrified that that's the way that we treat relationships with each other now. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I think some of you in this room literally today or this week, you might need to go to some of the people in your world and say these words to them. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to staying here until we figure this thing out. I'm sticking around. It's not easy. And, and there may be some things that you're frustrated about. But I, I'm afraid sometimes we use threats or silence and violence and we allow this unhealthy relationship to maintain. And so you might feel like you're in relationships that are void and, and just non-existent. And, and I might suggest and maybe even propose that you may have helped create that. And I just want to encourage you, it might be with a parent. It might be with a, a son or a daughter or a spouse. Maybe it's a best friend from years ago or a neighbor. I don't even care what the nature of the relationship is, but I think some of us today, we need to go back and remind them, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I know sometimes there's relationships where a line in the sand does need to be drawn because there's a real safety violation and this is no longer healthy physically, emotionally safe for me. But I'm afraid we draw that line too often too quickly and we don't have to. 
And I just want to encourage you to go and have that conversation with some people. I just wonder who, I wonder if there's some relationships that God wants to mend between you and your parent. Maybe an estranged son or daughter. Maybe not estranged. Maybe it's just the elephant in the room that we don't talk about. Maybe it's just a phone call to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm not going anywhere and we're going to figure this thing out. Jesus did that for us too. He did that same thing for us. You know, I, I'm so grateful for the way that he works because he obviously knew, at least for me, he knew the things I would struggle with. Have you ever been to that place where you're praying and you're like, God, are you even listening? I mean, I've prayed loud, I've prayed quiet, had my eyes open, looking up to the sky, I've closed my eyes really tight, got on my knees, I've done everything, I've got, what do I need to do? The hokey pokey and turn myself around? Are you even listening? I don't want to sing a song about waiting. I have been waiting, God. And he wrote this, this letter to us and, and he, he, he penned a passage for you and for me in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. And I love the message paraphrase. And I just want to leave you with this thought to remind you of God's heart towards you. I love this. God assured us, I'll never let you down. I'll never walk out on you or leave you. If that's God's promise for us, then maybe we can pull a page from him and bring some strength back into some relationships and let him know I'm not going anywhere until we figure this thing out. Let me leave you with one last thought <clears throat> dovetailed to this. We, in this series, want to make this as practical as we can and give you tools in your tool belt and statements and maybe a phrase to remember, maybe write it down in your mirror. If you're like me, you need to see it on a regular basis. But can I just tell you that the greatest tool that you have and that you need isn't another statement. It's not another cute point. But you know what we need? The power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. You need the person of the Holy Spirit with you on a daily basis who just walks alongside and he says, hey, you don't have to treat him that way. You're better than this. You don't have to behave that way. Hey, this choice that you think is so worth it, it's not. And I just want to encourage you with all the cute statements we can give you and points on a screen, the greatest tool at your benefit and your disposal is the person of the Holy Spirit. But you got to invite him to be a part of your life. So I'm going to close this time in prayer. And here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will give us great wisdom to know how to interact with people in our world. But I'm also going to pray that you will open your heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. To help make and build you into the person you're called to be. How many of you would say, you know what? I've got some work to do and some changes to make. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for us. Thank you for being honest. I want to pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you that you're doing something right here, right now. And we recognize that you're up to bigger things than we could possibly even imagine. God, none of us in this room have arrived. None of us in this room have got it figured out. All of us, we need a little extra from you. We, we need you at work in our lives. So we just invite the Holy Spirit to be present in every moment of every day of our lives. 
I pray for divine wisdom. I pray for divine insight. And I pray for divine counsel. I pray for a peace that passes all understanding. But God, I also pray for every individual in this room that you'll help us to open our hearts to you. That you'll help open our hearts to the fullness of whatever it is that you want to do in our lives. That we would set aside our selfish ambition and our prideful ways. That we lean into the fullness of who you are and everything that you want to do in and through us. I just give you honor and glory for the work you're starting right now, but God, we lean into you to know what steps to take, what direction to go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.